Hey there. Hello. I hear you want to complain, and that's my favorite. Well, yeah, I was thinking about this. So I got, you know, a letter. I probably got an email from them too, from our internet provider saying you're like, you know, your trial, your introductory period is up, right? <laughs> oh, like your gosh. your good rate thing, you know, or it's about to be up or something. Did it also come attached to like a decapitated horse head or something? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's just. It's so annoying, like, you know, because you're going to have to start paying more or you have to call them up and like threaten and say, mm-hmm. like, we're going to leave. We're going to we're going to go get a different one. Right. Yeah. I hate the threatening thing. I've done that before with Adobe products because they'll mm-hmm. always give you an extension if you do it. That's a pro tip out there. It's def- it definitely works. Well, it just made me think that, you know, I think maybe we're all seeing the trial period. <laughs> The promotional rate time of uh, of capitalism <laughs> coming to a close. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, we, you know, we tried it. We gave it a shot. It's, you know, maybe it was our partner for a while, but, you know, now it's time to, to part ways. I don't know. The, the deal, the bargain for a long time has been like, put up with all the, sh- all the bullshit, right? Put up with essentially a dictatorial type government but by the bourgeoisie and we'll make sure that at least you get cheap treats fast but now everything's harder to get and it costs more everyone's paid less everything takes longer you're worked harder i mean everything just like sucks more (laughs) (laughs) yeah i saw this illustration from like the gilded age have you seen it where it's like wages and rent and it's like squeezing the guy in the middle Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And like the, the tweet is like turning wheels. I thought I wouldn't relate to, to, you know, the 1700s, but here we go. It's, I don't know. I think it just made me think like, okay, it, what would be the comparison to the different actions you can take on that sort of thing? Internet, I guess, is pretty necessary. Like you have to have it, right? The thing that obviously would not work is just calling them up and asking them nicely. Could you please just keep the promotional rate? <laughs> That's the equivalent of voting. That's liberalism, yeah. Mm-hmm. Just vote. <laughs> yeah, just ask them and they'll they'll change things because it's good. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's always worked. Um, there's the threatening thing, right? And mm-hmm. that's, I mean, what is that? That's like kind of social democracy or like, well, it's more like uh, like labor action and stuff. I was going to say, right? yeah, that feels a little more like a strike to me. Like you're, you're threatening to quit. You're going to do a walkout. Except I feel like with that, like, I fold pretty easily on on those things. Like if they gave me three months free, I'm like, yeah, sure, I'm in. <laughs> well, that is sort of then if you're thinking that's labor action in terms of just getting a better contract or uh, getting concessions, you know, like um, like the New Deal or something. A big part of that was scared, you know, fear on the the part of the ruling classes that if they didn't do something, something worse was going to happen to them. That's true. You know? Uh, and then, of course, there's like getting together with your friends and going and taking over and running the <laughs> internet service provider <laughs> collectively. There, that's the other solution. <laughs> Which is insane. And I was thinking, too, I was like, well, could you make your own? I'm like, no, no, you got to get a space satellite up there. There's a lot of things in the way. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how. I would have to, I would have to reappropriate yeah, is, that. Is that how internet works? I don't know. <laughs> uh, I No, I'm pretty sure not. <laughs> God dang it. There is satellite internet, I think, for obscure areas, maybe. Oh, okay, okay. Well, listeners, pretend I just said exactly how internet works. 
Yeah, you're our, our tech correspondent. <laughs> Insert internet jargon here. <laughs> so, yeah, that's my weekly complaint. I feel you. I feel I'm not going to start a segment like that. That would be annoying. <laughs> you guys don't need to hear that. We always end up there anyway, so <laughs> we don't need to sandwich it necessarily in, yeah, in sadness. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, let's get into today's lesson. Let's do it. Who are we talking about? What are we talking about? Today, we are going to talk about socialist Yugoslavia. Okay, this is that place I had to look up on a map last week. Yeah, that one. (laughs) It's okay. It's not around anymore. So that's fine for you to have to look it up. It's not embarrassing. (laughs) Okay. Uh, But we're going to actually take this in two parts. So we're just going to do episode one here. Great. Do we have a, a cutoff point already in mind? We do. Yeah. In the two part series, we're going to lay out a very brief introduction to the very complex history of socialist Yugoslavia, which covers overall the time period between 1918, just after World War I, to its breakup in 1992. Okay, great. Part one, so today we're going to cover from the formation of the Kingdom of Yugoslavia in 1918 to the beginning of the Inform Bureau period in the late 1940s. All right, didn't know it was going to do either of those systems of government, so let's get into it. Part two, we'll pick up that story and then go to its uh, disintegration in 1992. Our main goals overall are just to cover the basics because, as we mentioned, uh, as as you were saying, you know, we're like barely taught (laughs) or not taught this in American schools. I know. So we are just old enough to have like seen this on a map. I mean, me technically not. I remember it was in in the Animaniac song. That's. (laughs) Oh, really? The countries of the world one? I'm pretty sure they have Yugoslavia in it. Uh, But yeah, like we're taught that during the Cold War, you know, there were the Western U.S. aligned countries. They were cool. They did all the cool (laughs) capitalist things. They were like different and unique from each other. But then you had like the Soviet aligned countries. They all followed the same drab and abusive Soviet style system. You know, it was just communism. It was bad. Everything was gray. Everyone was hungry. This idea of the Iron Curtain. If you look at those people, it was it was just bad. They just suffered. And I don't know. I want this series and our show more broadly. I think we do this as kind of pushback on that Soviet bloc narrative because we've talked about, right, the myths of the Soviet Union, but also like about all these different socialist countries, Vietnam and Cuba and Spain, Burkina Faso, all these different um, places that implemented socialism in their own way to fit the needs of their people. And so this is going to be kind of in that vein of like, well, how did Yugoslavia do it? You know? Yeah, I like that idea of like localized socialism. Maybe that's just kind of my ANCOM stripe showing. But (laughs) yeah, I mean, it makes sense that you'd have to adjust an uh, ideology for your people. Yeah, and that's, I think that's accepted, like, well, at least it's accepted, you know, Marxist-Leninist practice and and Marxist-Leninist Maoism. And really, most stripes of Marxism in general, and probably ANCOM and everything else, would accept that, like, what how socialism is practiced in its specifics, like, it has to be applied a certain way. Like, that's the whole idea behind, like, Marxist-Leninism or whatever is that it's, it's kind of a, a, an improvement on Marxist theory in terms of putting it in practice 
in the revolution conditions of Russia. And like Maoism, same way in China, you had first you had Mao Zedong thought of like how it was applied there. And it adds some things, you know, it makes some changes and it's controversial. People are like either on board or they're not or, or whatever, like in any of these different stripes. But I don't know. I'm kind of on board with there being these different varieties, these different um, approaches given the situation. Yeah. Cause I mean, you know, you have regions where religion is a much more important factor. You have regions where like climate is going to be way more important and like agriculture and that stuff. Like it just makes practical sense to adjust even on like a, a very base sense of like, okay, what are we going to produce? Like it just makes sense to adjust to your area. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, like we said, it, it, it does get thorny. Like eventually I think it'll be next episode. We'll get more into it in terms of Yugoslavia's like particular stripe of socialism and like this kind of big argument among communists of like, is it for real? You know, is it good? That'll be more of a part two thing, but we'll kind of get the setup for that today. Okay. Questions. I, I only know a smattering of this and some of it came from like a listener email that referenced like some bad stuff happening. Is that happening this episode or next episode? Um, there will be some bad stuff happening this episode. <laughs> This episode, it's just really lighthearted. It's a chill and it's a beach episode. <laughs> yeah, this is the school festival episode. Of, <laughs> of, the, of the anime? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say a spa episode. That's also a popular one. <laughs> yeah, beach episode, spa episode. Okay, I just, I didn't want us to get in a situation where someone comments like, you didn't even cover, you know, this massacre or whatever. <laughs> oh, so we won't cover every detail, but I do try to like add in some of that, so... I don't get into too many of the bloody details, but... Okay, okay. Just, I don't know. People get really mad if you leave out how many people got killed. I mean, well, I haven't, yeah. <laughs> they should get mad if we kind of just allied things, right? If we're just... Yeah, like, yeah. Everything was great, you know? Stalin did nothing wrong. Like, yeah, okay. <laughs> but, like, we don't do that. <laughs> yeah. But if you do want, like, the the Crimes of Communism podcast, I think is a different one. You know? mm-hmm. I'm sure there are plenty. Yeah. <laughs> so let's start at the beginning. Yugoslavia before World War II. The kingdom of Yugoslavia was kind of like a nation building project after World War I. You have these different nations, kingdoms, uh, Serbia, Croatia, Slovenia, Montenegro, Macedonia, and Bosnia and Herzegovina. Which is that those two are all one. Bosnia and Herzegovina is the thing. Are they still all one? They are still one, yes. Okay. The whole thing was very, you know, obviously cobbling these nations together, very multinational. But what it was appealing to was a common South Slavic heritage. This was an era of romantic nationalism. Mm, yeah. So we people about that. are yeah, people are saying, Well, we need to have a nation for these people. And they had that in terms of like, well, we have a nation for Serbs, we have a nation for Croats and, and this sort of thing. But they kind of wanted to like, they thought that this was a lot of people, mostly intellectuals, were advancing the idea that there was a South Slavic kind of language group and people. Mm, okay. Almost like a race? Uh, Sort of as a race, but then <laughs> we'll see later that people definitely disagreed that, you know, they were different races is a lot of what they... But, it's like an ethnic group kind of thing, yeah, I guess. Yeah, like uh, we're all, mm, yeah, it's one parallel that comes to mind. It's not a perfect one, but like Pan-Americanism in terms of like 
South America and Simone Bolivar, like trying to unite everyone. Yeah, the idea of uniting all of Latin America. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And there's a lot, you know, there's more than just that example, but that's kind of what they were doing. And it's pieced together from the ashes of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. Oh, because they got all fucked up in World War One, right? With like Franz Ferdinand and all that shit. Yeah, they got dismembered. So they were, you know. <laughs> Extremely good summary, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A plus essay. That was, yep, too simplified, but we'll we'll count it. It's fine. It's not the topic <laughs> of this up. essay, so it's okay. It's, you know, go to Wikipedia. Yes. <laughs> I can't do everything for uh, you. Don't go to Wikipedia. It'll take you forever, and you'll read about things for hours if you're anything like me. So... Welcome back. It's been a week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that was kind of where the kingdom of Yugoslavia came from. So we're talking 1918. That's not our main topic, though. I just wanted to bring them up as the environment in which the Communist Party and their friends and everything get started. Yeah, I mean, straight from king to communist, that's quite a turn. (laughs) Well, yeah, they, uh, you know, it's a like a constitutional like parliamentary thing. So they do have like political parties starting. And of course you start seeing uh, social democratic parties or communist parties uh, forming. The The Bolshevik party starts out as like the Russian social democratic labor party. Uh, that was like the original name from the, the what would become the communist party in Germany to like the social Democrat was like the OG thing. So not to say they're soft or anything, No, but I I think that's interesting because that happened in last week's episode in Japan, too. Like, as soon as you start opening the door for parties, like, weird how communist parties keep popping up. It's almost like people like them. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you could come to that conclusion based on based on the evidence. But, you know, communism is often painted as this, like totalitarian dreary thing that no one would ever vote for it's like no everyone's like on board somehow yeah somehow it gets popular don't know weird (laughs) so all these different uh they form these regional communist parties you know so social democratic party of serbia and all these you know each area gets theirs and eventually these these kind of messily it's a difficult process that i don't want to get into but they merge into the Socialist Labor Party of Yugoslavia, parentheses communist. <laughs> <laughs> I like that name. Well, they they reworked it eventually. <laughs> and so in 1920, they renamed themselves to the Communist Party of Yugoslavia. I'm picturing like a piece of paper with lots of like scratch outs and like the little carrot and, you know, like to insert yeah, new and someone's words. Like, we got to put communist in parentheses there. Otherwise, they don't know who we are. <laughs> Someone threatened to leave over that, and they're like, fucking fine. It's in parentheses, though. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And then that rename was actually so that they could gain entry into the common turn. Uh, The international organization, remember, that that Soviet Russia had set up. They lack a unified name. Yeah, you gotta gotta get your branding right, you know? (laughs) They are kind of like corporate headquarters or something, you know? Like, (laughs) oh, I'm sorry, you don't have the right color set right for red, our logo right yeah like <laughs> yeah so, that's not coca-cola red what do you think if you were going to name the communist red which i don't know if there's really one or if they all use different shades but what would you you know what would you call it oh that's a good question you could go really nasty with it and be like blood of the people or something fascist blood red um no 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 i was, I was thinking more like the heartbeat of the people you know oh, like, okay. like good, les mis but... or something 
Yeah. Sorry, I'm such a fucking geek. <laughs> Red. What is it? What are they saying? The blood of angry men. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> angry um, man blood. Angry man blood. Um, no, that sounds like I'm murdering angry men, <laughs> which is fine. <laughs> Ooh, what if it's comrade? Comrade. Like, comrade. <laughs> oh no, okay. that's pretty good. You know, we. It's a draft. We can scratch it out and put communist in parentheses. <laughs> Comrade communist. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that's the time period we're looking at, you know, right after World War One. So right after the Russian Revolution and all that, and right when the common turn is established and everything, these guys are coming onto the scene. And this was when we first see on the historical stage a very interesting fellow named Joseph Bros Tito. All right. What's his deal? So Tito is actually a nickname, but it's what people call him. He was just Joseph Bros, but then Oh, like it's not even related to his name? No, it's just it was like a like a pen name mm. war name sort of thing. I gotcha. A nom de guerre. Yeah. And then it became his for real title, basically. I think dummy thick would be my nom de guerre. <laughs> <laughs> it's an interesting one. Yeah, I think it'd be uh, great. I don't know what, what what mine would be. I'd have to give it more thought. Yeah. Let me know <laughs> when you got it. So Tito, a little bit about his background to get him to this point. He grew up working class. It seems like his father did inherit an estate, but like failed miserably at it immediately. Tito ends up being raised by other family and he works in like union jobs at factories and stuff and gets involved in several strikes. Um, in 1913, he starts his compulsory two years in the Austro-Hungarian army. Not cool. Uh, which, unfortunately, that lined up with World War One, so he ends up in that and gets captured by Russia as a POW. Bummer. Uh, yeah, well, it turns out to be kind of cool because he's there when the February Revolution breaks out. <laughs> so he's just like, I like this. <laughs> yeah, he's able to leave his POW camp and join in in the July days uprising. Whoa. And he gets arrested by the provisional government for that, but eventually he escapes. Because, like, remember, everyone just, like, hops off the train there. Like, everyone just gets out. Oh, yeah. Like, they did a easily. shitty job of arresting people. Yeah, you could just, like, leave on the way to <laughs> exile or whatever. Fantastic. <laughs> um, somehow they overthrew that government. <laughs> he ends up fighting in the Russian Civil War, like, in the Red Guards. Like, he's there. I was going to make a fiddler on the roof joke. <laughs> <laughs> I won't get it, but it's fine. It's <laughs> I'm fine. uncultured. Um, he's like the, which one? What's his name? I don't know. The second boy who courts the second daughter in Fiddler on the Roof. He joins the Red Army. He's cool. Ah, well, he also courted someone there and moved back home to Yugoslavia in 1920 uh, with his new wife and joined the Communist Party. And he'll be an important player as we go forward. So Okay, keep an eye on him. Yes. Uh, so the party did pretty well. In the 1920 election, they got 58 out of the 419 seats that were there. That's well enough to get fourth place. Yeah, that's not bad. And um, they were doing especially well in the cities. But nothing really gets your enemies hating you more than success. <laughs> and... The government uh, was definitely not happy with their good performance. So when they led a minor strike, it got brutally crushed by the army um, and the government started cracking down on them. Fuck. 
Okay, real quick. You said it was 48 out of how many? 58 Four. out of 419. Hey, imagine if we had a five. <laughs> you know, like five senators who yeah. were communists. Like that means, like, have we ever had one? Uh, communist senator. Best we can do is Bernie, you know? Like, yeah, that's not even it. Like We've had socialists. Uh, but I think that that... I don't know if I don't I don't know our socialist history well enough to know if we've had any in Congress. I know that we had some in the New York like state legislature and they got dramatically like thrown out or something like people, they <laughs> they refused course. to seat them or something like that. Classy. Okay. I'm just I don't know. I sometimes I just imagine like what if we have that? That'd be crazy. <laughs> It'd <laughs> yeah. be crazy even historically like that that even that happened. <laughs> yep. Okay. Continue. Wild country. On July 21st, 1920, someone associated with the Communist Party in Yugoslavia assassinated a government official, Interior Minister Milorad Draksovic. Whoops. And the government, um, well, they got mad. <laughs> and so they banned the party, Yugoslav State Security Act of 1921. They annulled their seats in the assembly. They just kicked <gasps> them out. Okay. And uh, started putting in the secret police to infiltrate their activities. Shit. Okay. Wait, you said they're cracking down. This is the crackdown? They didn't crack down before someone got assassinated? Uh, they crushed, like, the, the, the strike. strike. The strike. That's but right. they hadn't really... Uh, well, they they started, like, shutting down newspapers and stuff. Like, they mm. were doing things, but they hadn't officially banned them yet. This is when they're like, okay, gloves off, let's go. And that's important to keep in mind. Like, it's it does, like we were saying about the, the, the poor representation we have in this bourgeois <laughs> legislature. You know, that's annoying and stuff. And the government does kind of harass leftists and things. But it could still get, like, a lot worse. <laughs> and yeah. to... I think the bigger thing there is not just to be like, oh, well, it's, you know, that's it's good. It's great here. It's um, the bigger thing is like, no, 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 it could get a lot worse. And it would if they thought that they needed to. Like we had to be prepared for that stuff. That's true. Yeah. So at that point, the party had to go underground. Classic. Yeah. Well, it's not good for membership, you know. Uh, Traditionally, no. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard enough to get people to like show up to perfectly legal meetings let alone you know hey you might go to jail <laughs> but we we have some books you know maybe some t-shirts i got cool pins um, <laughs> i'll do anything for a pin <laughs> <laughs> they you know so their membership suffers and uh, they stay outlawed and underground until the outbreak of world war ii so it's okay. a long period um like you know that's like 20 years that they're just on the outs there's a lot of infighting at this time between left and right factions and some changing of directions. Like in 1933, they were all about advocating, like breaking up the kingdom of Yugoslavia. Like we should be different nations doing our own thing. But then eventually they changed that to saying, no, 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 we got to unite. We got to form a popular front because like by then Nazi Germany and fascism and stuff were rising. So a little bit of, you know, changing changing your tune for different times like i said the complicated faction stuff and leadership struggles also when the great purge happened in the soviet union the communist party of yugoslavia was really closely tied to them i mean they were like really down with the international you know coordination of the parties because i mean geographically they're close yes yeah so 
they were definitely, you know, always looking to the common turn for directions and stuff and, and wanting to do the right thing by the party internationally. But when the Great Purge happened, it didn't go well for, for them. Their party leader, Milan Gorkic, was accused of being a British spy Ooh. Uh, and was executed by the NKVD. NKDB, is that like pre-KGB? Yes, yeah. So okay. that's the old the secret police they had before that. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. And that is when Tito ends up coming to power as leader of the party there. He's like the replacement guy. <laughs> Damn, okay, don't fuck up. <laughs> yeah, and there's um, there's various speculation, and I really don't know what how to weigh in on it. I haven't seen enough sources. Ooh, like conspiracy? Yeah, so people are like, oh, Tito like probably ratted him out to mm. the NKB or set him up or something. But then other people say, like, I don't know if he would do that, like... We don't really see, you know, a lot of evidence. And then it's like, well, is this even reliable people or what? So Unclear. Lots of other party members end up getting purged as well. Uh, now, this is just to just a little side. Um, this is not literally putting everyone in a blender. It doesn't necessarily mean like imprisoned or or even executed. It can just mean like getting kicked out of the party. But like, it's still shitty. I mean. Oh, yeah, yeah. That even the lowest form of it. But that's. Lots of people died also in the Great Purge. So it's not to say it's, it's bloodless either. Like, people get executed without trials. People get executed Oof. with trials that aren't fair. People get executed with regular trials. Like, I mean, there's a spectrum, and I guess it just kind of goes from, like, bad to worse. But it's definitely not, you know, bajillion people, you know, crushed to death by communism. But anyway, bad stuff. Uh, then we get to World War Two, which is also bad. I imagine so. I didn't think they were fucking thriving. Not a lot of people were having fun at that time. Yeah. <laughs> um, so in World War Two, Yugoslavia, the kingdom was trying to chart a neutral course between the Axis and the Allies for a while, uh, but it didn't work. Basically, the Axis was, you know, taking over Europe, and Britain was really like the only country there not, you know, getting dominated. And so Yugoslavia says, okay, well, we're going to join the Axis then. They're too strong, you know. Oh, shit. So in 1941, they, they join the alliance with them. Uh, and some of the military guys in Yugoslavia didn't like this. And they were also encouraged by the British, like, to secretly kind of under the table uh, to do a coup against their prince regent, a guy named Paul. And they overthrow him. But Germany is pretty upset about that because they just signed an alliance with this country. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And now they're doing coups and trying to side with the British, so they invade. Oh, no. Okay, okay. It goes pretty easily for them. They take over the place in 10 days. That's pretty easy for, for an invasion. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the next day, they uh, start cutting the place up. They cut up Yugoslavia, annexing parts of it, directly occupying other parts of it, and also creating a fascist puppet state called the Independent State of Croatia. Okay. Hold on. I want to look up how how big Yugoslavia is relative to other places in Europe at the time. All right. So we're looking at a little fatter than Italy, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> this is a thick Italy. <laughs> there okay. you go gotcha 
this independent state of Croatia was pretty bad. It sounds like it. It was governed by a party or group called the Ustashe, who were racist, Catholic, Croat supremacists. Like, Oof. Croat people were better than everyone else is kind of what they were. They were, like, doing Nazi stuff, but for Croatia, basically. That's not great. And, yeah, during World War II, they start doing a full-on genocide with, like, concentration camps and all that. Fuck. Uh, the fourth largest concentration camp in Europe, Yasenovac, what was there where hundreds of thousands of people were killed. Holy shit. Okay. Yeah, so they start killing Serbs, Jews, and Roma people as well. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, it's 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 really horrible. And... The leader of of these guys was a guy named Ante Pavlic, who I think we got a listener email that kind of got into a little bit of this kind of divide between uh, his group and the group that Tito will form. Yeah. Do you want me to go ahead and read that? Sure. Yeah. This is from Adrian, and he kind of shares a personal family history about Yugoslavia. He says, as an Australian with parents who grew up in the former Yugoslavia, specifically Croatia, the topic of Tito is generally not discussed in our house. My mother's family fought with Tito's partisans during World War II and generally regard him as a hero of the Yugoslav people. We had pictures of Tito in our house. My father's family were Croatian nationalists who fought alongside the forces of Pavlik, not a good dude, in parentheses, which, yeah, I agree. (laughs) Anyway, my dad regards Tito as a cruel communist dictator who brought ruin to his beloved Croatia. My mother believes that Tito united the people and forged his own brand of socialism, keeping the country stable for decades. Um, How they met and married is puzzling to me. (laughs) (laughs) I would agree. That's wild. (laughs) Yeah. Can you imagine, like, crazier origin stories for your parents? So, yeah, he says, that, like, personally, he likes Tito and, you know, sends us an article about him as well um, and just kind of wants to hear our thoughts about it. But, yeah, I, gosh, I mean, <laughs> one side supported the Nazis. I think I know which side I'm on. It's not that one. Yeah. Now, to say fought alongside the forces of Ante Pavlich, that's not good. There are different degrees of that, and we'll we'll get into it, I guess. It doesn't necessarily mean, I guess, that the person always fought for them. Or fought, like, you know, directly for the government or whatever. We'll get into it. But that's, yeah, uh, quite the divide, so. (laughs) Yeah, for real. That's very dramatic. Let's talk about what Yugoslavia did, having been invaded and cut up into different, uh, you know, getting annexed and stuff like that, getting occupied, and also having this uh, terrible government imposed upon them. They start a resistance and not like a feckless hashtag resistance (laughs) stuff. They all just wear a shirt that says resist. It works. Yeah, they say fascist man bad and they tweet about it and that's it. Remember when people were wearing safety pins? No, what? That was a thing. Oh gosh. It was right after Trump got elected. (laughs) Well, this was a lot cooler. So uh, there's different degrees of it though in terms of coolness like there's some parts that are like they quickly go to not even cool oh okay Uh, one group involved in the initial days in the resistance uh was a monarchist slash serbian nationalist group 
uh, called the Chetniks. Interesting. Later in Yugoslav history, this ends up being like a like a slur, I want to say, or Ooh. like at least a rude thing to say about someone to like, you know, say, oh, you suck. You're like this terrible Serbian. Ooh, okay. But back then, it's specifically referring to this group. Uh, sometimes anti-communists try to portray them as like the genuine good patriotic freedom fighters, you know, the real good resistors to the Nazis. But they were really quite bad. Not only... Uh, were they from the very beginning like advocating creating an ethnically homogenous greater Serbia? Uh, but they also increasingly throughout the war, but now like very late in the war, we're talking like pretty early on and then increasingly from there, uh, start collaborating with the Axis occupation to try to get their own stuff done, which involves a lot of ethnic cleansing. Fuck. Okay. Yeah. I don't like these people. Yeah. So they start out like at least they do some battles against the axis and they they do like even in some of those battles team up with the partisans who we'll get to in a bit and, and so fight on the same side like early on but qu i think quickly they kind of get opportunistic and just start and saying, they're like yeah. you know i would really love some more ethnic cleansing <laughs> yeah they're they're mo mainly working for their own project and if they have to work with the axis to do that they did Wait, did they want to cleanse different people than the other guys? Yes. Um, okay. So the other guys, the the Croatian guys were were like getting rid of Serbs, and the Serbian these these guys were. Let me pull this up. They have a Wikipedia article called "Chetnik War Crimes in World War II. That's a good so, start. Yeah, they were directing theirs against the non-Serb population, uh, so mainly Muslims and Croats. Okay, not great. So, yeah, you had multiple groups trying to kill each other. And that's OK. So we said that Chetnik becomes like a, a kind of a bad thing later. The same thing with the Ustashe that that also becomes like something that people will say about Croat people in like a in a derogatory way. Again, we're just referring to the historical groups here. Like people use these historical terms as slurs. Be like, you're just like those ethnic cleansing jerks. Right. Yeah. OK. So, but the, but the real cool group that we want to focus on, the actual anti-fascists here that are fighting back against the Axis, uh, were the National Liberation Army and Partisan Detachments of Yugoslavia, a.k.a. the Yugoslav Partisans. Okay, why are they called Partisans? Partisan actually just refers to, is like a military term for like irregular military, you know, resistance forces, guerrilla forces uh, acting against like an occupying power insurgents gotcha and it goes it actually goes way back before this so okay <laughs> but they were called the yugoslav partisans and uh they were led by tito he's back he's back he's at this point in charge of the party and in charge of the partisans uh they were set up by the communist party uh, which had been trying to since before the war unite all the left groups you know to do stuff you know to, to resist against fascism mm -hmm. and then when world war ii breaks out uh, they set up the unitary national liberation front to kind of put all these anti-fascist leftist groups together to try to free their country damn there's one thing commies are good at it's kicking nazi ass hell yeah <laughs> you'd think that'd give us more of a pass than it does but uh You'd be surprised. People are not very appreciative of that because <laughs> then they say, oh, you're, you're just as you're bad. You're just as, as bad. Okay. Yeah. The partisans are then the armed wing of that unitary national liberation front thing. 
So whereas the Chetniks were really right wing and, you know, doing ethnic cleansing things, the partisans wanted a multi-ethnic federal Yugoslavia. So they wanted there to be like... Like federated zones or whatever with right. the different groups. Mm -hmm. So like kind of nations for each group, each ethnic group, or basically following the historic borders uh, with equal rights for all these different ethnic groups and equal like representation and all this sorts of stuff. Yeah, that's what I was thinking of because it is such an ethnically diverse group that clearly has some tensions. A federated option might make the most sense. Yeah, so they wanted to do the federation, except maybe less, <laughs> less spacey. <laughs> oh. But, um, while it was technically a big tent group of like any sort of leftist or even just kind of progressive groups, it was like the leadership was like wholly led by the Communist Party. Yeah, they were still doing democratic centralism. Like they weren't about letting bourgeois people take over it. Uh, so anyway, the the war happens, and the partisans lead a very bloody armed resistance against the Axis occupation. It is brutal, and both sides do brutality. Uh, it's war. It's war. The partisans certainly do their fair share. Well, I mean, you're fighting the Axis, so you really can't do like your fair share. They do more <laughs> than you, a hundred percent. But yeah. They do a lot of unsavory stuff to try to liberate their country. Uh, they, at the end of the war, there are some retributive uh, massacres of people, uh, you know, saying, oh, these people were collaborators or mm -hmm. what have you. And I mean, they, they kill people. I mean, they're Nazis. Or they worked with Nazis or it's not always like literal SS, you know, like. Yeah, that's true. That's, there's, there's degrees. And there's also instances of revolutionary terror uh, in places that they do liberate. It's uh, a lot smaller scale than the, like, actually trying to do genocide efforts of their enemies, you know? Yeah. Again, you're really never going to out-genocide, you know, the, the, when you're fighting the Nazis. It's, that's pretty hard to do. And they're pretty good at that. They, I mean, they do, like, executions and stuff and go after, like, class enemies and things. And there's, there's, there's some what they themselves call mistakes afterward. They say we made leftist errors in like places that they liberated or whatever and like tried to do, you know, too much crazy stuff too fast and pissed people off, that sort of thing. Like we mentioned up top, you know, it did happen. We don't want to deny any of that stuff. It, it, there, there it was. Yeah, but eventually the partisans with the help of the allies, especially the Red Army, uh, are victorious. Nice. It is, though, I do want to emphasize they, they do have help, but, like, this is mostly them. Like, they are the ones leading the resistance the whole way through the war, and that's going to come into play later. Okay. But during the course of the war, they end up setting up a provisional government called Democratic Federal Yugoslavia. Okay. Uh, which is going to be, like, a federation of six equal republics. So, the, the ones we mentioned before. That sounds great. And Tito... Was that its head? They deliberately left it that way, uh, democratic federal, instead of like referencing to anything like a republic or a kingdom, because there was a big argument, you know, Tito and the partisans don't want to do a kingdom, but like the British want to push them to bring back, and they're a big, you know, allied power. They want to push them to bring back their king in exile, Peter the second. Oh, okay. This state ends up gaining a recognition for the Allies because, I mean, they 
like we said before, they proved that they were really good at kicking. They kicked a lot of ass. ass. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. In, in addition, that, that king in exile, Peter II, had discredited himself because while his people were getting brutally occupied and ethnically cleansed and all this, uh, he was off in a whirlwind romance getting married. <gasps> Peter, now's not the time. <laughs> That's what, yeah, people were saying, like, are you fucking serious? Like, <laughs> We're kind of busy. I mean, you do you, but like, don't act like you're going to be our king, you know, or like that you, I don't know. It's, it's bad optics, I think. Oh, for sure. Yeah. He had to abdicate basically to Tito. He, he kind of like was very upset about it and didn't I'm want sure. to do this. But his cabinet and, and everyone, the people who were advising him were like, dude, it's done. Like, yeah, it's over. This guy won a war. You are busy smooching. He lives the rest of his life in exile, mostly in the United States. And then on November 11th, 1945, the newly liberated Democratic Federal Yugoslavia have their first parliamentary elections. All right. How does it go? Uh, the People's Front, which is dominated by the Communist Party, uh, wins by a huge margin. Hell yeah. They're like, I liked how you kicked that butt. Well, yeah, it was a little too high. Um, Uh-oh. <laughs> there, yeah, there's kind of the usual controversies <laughs> over fairness. Uh, for their sake, the party does estimate that, or did, I guess n- none of these guys are around anymore, but they did <laughs> estimate that they would get around 65% of the vote in a straight up and down sort of thing. Uh, but they, they kind of, they put their thumb on the scale, I think, in addition to, they, they shut down some opposition newspapers for uh, what they said, inciting foreign intervention. I didn't really read it, but I could imagine, you know, maybe they're like, the British really need to come here and set things straight or put the king in, you know, stuff like that. Mm. I could picture it. Um, they also banned na- uh, Nazi collaborators from from participating, which, I mean, that's good, I think. Yeah, like, the, I'm okay with that. They don't and need to be... If you're palling around with Nazis, maybe, yeah, maybe you don't get to vote this time. The United States did the same thing after the Civil War for a little while. Like, you could not, you know, vote and run for office and things if you were, like, a Confederate officer and stuff. Mm, that's right. By the time the election rolled around, in opposition to these kind of, you know, they're like, oh, we're getting bullied and stuff like that, uh, there were some monarchist parties and things. Oh, yeah. Uh, they boycotted the election. So the People's Front ends up kind of running unopposed (laughs) because like everyone who's not super reactionary is in this, you know, umbrella group. So uh, they run unopposed with 88% turnout and 90% of the vote. (laughs) Holy shit. So a little too high, I would think. Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to decide if this is my strike one. Strike one, rigging the election. It's not a good look. I would say I don't think they suit like they rigged it in terms of stuffing the ballots. Maybe (laughs) it's more about suppression, which I don't love, but it is Nazis. Okay. Yeah. And monarchists, but like, and monarch, well, monarchists like fine. You fucking show up, but like, I get to be mean to you. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, if we want to be pretty liberal about it, then you could just like run the election and win. 65% 65% is more than enough to still mm-hmm. get your shit done. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. I guess that's my thing. It's like, if you're estimating, unless you're like fucking Nate Silver just shooting blanks, like. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Who can even procrastinate? Uh, what is that word? Who prognosticate. Can even, yeah. Progr- I did prognosticate. it. That's a hard word. It's the crossword, um, man. <laughs> so 10% of the people who vote. All they do is like vote no. They, you know, kind of say like, oh, fuck these guys, you know. <laughs> they write in um, someone else's, they write in Henry's name or whatever, or Peter, Peter too. Yeah. And I didn't look too much in the evidence. There are people who said like that it was 
one of the secret but not secret kind of ballots. But then some people said it was secret. I don't know. It may have been kind of rigged in that way you know, or unfair. It's not rigged, but weighted, like we said. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. I'm willing to be proven wrong on that. Uh, Yeah. And plus, just like, I don't know, win fair, you know? Yeah, like if you had 65. If you're just going to take power and say, we don't need to do democracy for a while, I mean, do that. That's fine, too, I guess. <laughs> I don't know if I love that one, but okay. <laughs> Depends on the situation. I guess, I guess. No, 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 maybe not. I don't know. So the People's Front wins. They eventually rename themselves the Socialist Alliance of Working People of Yugoslavia. Oh, I like that. And that becomes like this long-term... Um, Long, it's the same thing, you know, an, uh, an alliance of parties, uh, but it's really, really super dominated by the Communist Party, like they're the main guys, and that's that kind of like increases throughout their history. It's a good name. It is. That's it's yeah. That one's that one's not bad. <laughs> Better than it doesn't have a parentheses communist. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they got their shit together long enough to agree on a t-shirt design. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's see. On November twenty ninth, nineteen forty five. Uh, so this is very shortly after those elections. They abolished the monarchy and they established the Federal People's Republic of Yugoslavia. That sounds good. Yeah, it's kind of a cool name. Uh, and it has six constituent people's republics. So the same countries from before. Now they're people's republic of this, people's republic of that. Okay, so this is just a transition from the provisional government to a more long-term government. Yes. Okay, yeah. gotcha. Because they, kind of, they were federated before, but now they're just like, it's official. Right, and they're li- you know they're literally in power now. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Before, uh, for a while, they were they were in exile or whatever. in exile slash underground. Yeah, and so they set out to build their country out of the ashes of World War Two. Okay, how does that go? Sounds like it'll be hard. Uh, yeah, it is, and I really couldn't find a ton on this time period. I don't know, primary source wise, to like look at stats and figures and things to to kind of show specifically what they were doing. I found more generalizations, uh, but generally it seems like first they, they kind of move quickly toward a one party state, you know, Marx Leninist worker state following a pretty orthodox Soviet style economic plan. So think like five year plan, right? Like they literally do five year plans there for a while. This involves massive government run public works programs to rebuild their infrastructure, to electrify the countryside, to collectivize agriculture, and to develop heavy industry. Kind of building across the board, and uh, they launch literacy campaigns as well. Education was really bad in the kingdom of Yugoslavia because it's very unequal. We have a lot of rural areas where people are just straight not going to school. So you're sitting around, it's still around like 50%, I think, at that time. Eventually, they get to 91%. Nice. So like normal developed country stuff. This sort of rebuilding forms the basis, forms the economic groundwork for what they'll do later. Uh, we'll cover more of that in detail in part two, the, the whole like Yugoslavia, their interesting economic project. They kind of do, it's not exactly market socialism, but it is this sort of like interesting mixed economy thing. Okay, cool. Uh, we'll, we'll get into more of that in part two, but this is, this forms the groundwork of it. This is a country that's going to, uh, provide, you know, free healthcare for everyone. Um, that's going to provide free education through college for everyone, the right to a job with one month's paid vacation, um, a year of maternity leave. I want all these things now, right? 
<laughs> what the fuck? They um, have, you know, affordable public transportation, housing provided, uh, utilities, very cheap. Uh, this is a country that really, you know, takes off and, and provides a really good life for people later. Okay, I have questions. Yeah. One, timeline-wise, I guess I was under the impression, maybe this just is also a misunderstanding of the Soviet Union as a system or as, like, uh, alliance of countries or something, but, like, it seems to me that they are taking inspiration from Russia, but not necessarily, they're not, like, under its control. I mean, they, they participate in the common term, but it's not like there's, like, a Russian in charge or something, right? Correct, yeah. Okay, so is there a point where that changes? Spoilers for next episode, maybe? In Yugoslavia? Yeah. Uh, no, no, they are always in charge of their own destiny. So that's really interesting, because I think the narrative is that, like, oh, the, you, you know, you talk about Eastern Bloc countries, they make it sound like, you know, Russia has total control over all these areas. And, like, they're allies, but they're not totally, like, running those countries. That is the very simplified kind of you know received history we get is just if it's communist it's dominated by the international communist conspiracy right russia but we'll see here that there does like yugoslavia does for a specific reason end up doing its own thing whereas other eastern bloc countries so-called eastern bloc countries do end up following a closer line and and like uh sometimes being directly military intervened Ooh. Uh, by the Soviet Union. Okay, so it varies from place to place. Yes. Okay. My other question, when we talk about like kind of these quality of life improvements, you know, literacy and access to education and all those things, is it going to follow kind of a similar urban rural divide like it did in Russia where like you generally would have more access to those things in the city compared to rural areas like I think this also happened in Afghanistan, too. Uh, yes, I think it's mm, perhaps to a lesser extent than Afghanistan, the same extent as Russia, although you don't it's you don't have as remote areas there. It's also smaller. Yeah. So you don't have as much space to cover. But I mean, it's I mean, it's still in the context of a European country, pretty large. And it's not like that doesn't happen in capitalism. Like anyone who's lived in a rural area knows like you have less access to like doctors, <laughs> you know, yeah, like that, yeah. that happens there too. Yeah. And that's, I think for sure it does have, it does still end up with a rural urban divide in that regards. But I do think they also greatly alleviated, you know, the, the poverty, uh, rural poverty and things. A lot of immediate suffering. I mean, yeah, you're once again, you're coming back from Nazis like, Pretty hard to to get much worse. <laughs> yeah. Even besides comparing it to that, like they are deliberately trying to actively plan and provide for people in the country. Whereas, I mean, what is capitalism trying to do? Find ways to make money off of the people yeah, in the country? It's not, it's not doing those things. You know, it's like, <laughs> and we had, you know, rural electrification because for so long like power companies would be like well we can't make money off of those guys so we're there's not no gonna service do it. there yeah there's no point here you have a state that's saying actually we're gonna go and electrify the rural areas and stuff like yeah exactly but yeah uh downsides too they did form um a secret police force mm, don't love that it might be strike two state security administration the udba 
they did some cool things though like they were uh, not to rep for <laughs> secret hear, police that's not my thing your, your heel turn for the podcast okay so this is just a little shout out to my buddies that listen in <laughs> my cia guys and everything you guys don't do this because you suck <laughs> but cool secret police people assassinate old fascist war criminals oh that's fine with me would you just hunt them down abroad and shoot them or stab them? I might them? take away my strike. <laughs> uh, but they also do that same like international assassination thing uh, to political dissidents. Mm, okay. Strike is back on. Yeah. Which I didn't look into these guys if they were like just classic like, oh, I just want like free speech liberal stuff. Or if it was like, I don't know, very right. Like Reagan like type. Just fascist people. CIA or assets or whatnot. Like, but, oh, it's just free speech, but I am planning a coup. <laughs> yeah. But I want to give them the benefit of the doubt. I don't want people to just get executed for being annoying. Yeah, yeah. Like, and I mean, these guys may have been like totally cool people. So I, again, I did not look into them. We don't, don't know. just kill them. You know, generally still a good idea to be against secret police. Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> what I want police. you to take from this. <laughs> ACAB, even if they're secret. Yes. Almost especially so. I'm rewatching the Americans again. I'm just like. How can you watch this and think the FBI are the good guys? Yeah, it's, it's insane. so bad. And I think they do a decent job with showing that. But like every time Agent Gat opens his mouth, I just laugh at him. Yeah. We're going <laughs> to take these guys down. Oh, that's a good impression. Thanks. <laughs> watch a lot of Americans. Oh, I love it. Teaser for maybe a future episode. Yeah, I got to start rewatching too. Hell yeah. <laughs> they also, you know. Did your regular secret police stuff, spying on people, going after potential counter-revolutionary activities, oh. uh, but also, you know, regular political dissonance, too. So, uh, mixed bag that I would like to err on the side of don't do. Yeah, that's strike two, baby. But on the other hand, devil's advocate, what good does <laughs> having a having these freedoms do if people use them to take your country down? That's what mm. the orthodox, uh, you know vanguard party people would say my response as always is maybe you should make your country better so people don't want to take it down convince them how good you're doing that's true well i would do most things to fight like the u.s coming and doing a coup against me which oh if yeah you're doing do good things lot. they're gonna be trying to come after you <laughs> when does that happen in this story well we'll get to it eventually okay. <laughs> eventually part two? yeah part two okay all right, uh, now we're going to come to a, a juncture. Tito and Yugoslavia have freed themselves from the Nazi menace. They did have crucial help from the Soviet Union, like we said, but they had a fully independent army. They were not as much of a junior partner as some of those Eastern European countries were. Like, they got saved by the Soviet Union, whereas Yugoslavia got helped in saving itself. They kind of get to be more independent because of that mm. because of that self-earned kind of cred you know and so yugoslavia and the soviet union soon end up beginning to feud with one another there had already been some friction during world war ii uh, because the soviets praised the chetniks as allies for too long oh. eventually the communists were able to tell them like <laughs> hey, these guys are assholes and, and you know yeah these guys are also ethnic cleansing guys <laughs> but that kind of took too long, and finally the Soviets changed their tune. And the Soviet Union also kind of generally told the partisans to be 
to be cautious, not to antagonize the Western allies, not to do too much communism too overtly, you know, like play it down. And that was kind of like, hey, don't tell us what to do, man. You're not my dad, you know. <laughs> They're like, maybe put the parentheses back in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that, that was some early friction. And then after the war, they start to argue about kind of international relations with, with varying neighbors of Yugoslavia. Uh, Yugoslavia was trying to, it depends on how you read it, trying to expand or trying to ally more closely with its neighbors. Some people emphasize it like, oh, Tito was trying to take some stuff over, like kind of on the sly. And some people say, no, this is more of a, of a forming alliances thing. Okay. Uh, Do you have a read on it or are you going to keep it nooch? That's neutral. Yeah. I'm gonna, <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to stay mostly neutral. I think that Tito definitely wanted to build Yugoslavia as a power. We'll, we'll get into it. Uh, so. I wonder if he had anxiety about the Soviet Union coming to knock on his door and he's like, I need some friends. That's definitely part of it, I think. Yeah. I have a question. But, yeah, go ahead. I don't know if you know the answer. <laughs> Is this the fun part of the show for you? Which put you yes, on the spot? where I'm like, shit, I know I don't have notes on this. <laughs> Just start Googling. Okay. Because these two countries are like relatively geographically close, like there's definitely... Slavs in Russia, I bet. And they, I bet, you know, and we know Tito's wife, like, is Russian. Like, I'm wondering, like, if there were any prejudices or something, or like, almost like ethnic tensions between the two. You know what I mean? I mean, they probably have a similar background-ish, right? Like, I, I think a lot of people associate, this is a very big simplification, but I'm sure a lot of people associate Eastern European with Russian. Yeah, that, so that's more of an American conflation or a, non, so. <laughs> or a non-Russian or a non... Yeah, I don't know. Things. Because there are different groups of Slavic people. Maybe East Slavic, South Slavic, West Slavic. The South Slavic, which is Yugoslavia, is a, is like... Distinctly different. Different from, like, if you pull that up on Wikipedia, you'll see, like, there is a belt above them between the South Slavic and the West and East Slavic. Because you have other groups there like slovenians and and uh the czech people and, and i believe the slovak people as well so it's a very like diverse area yes yeah okay. you know that's kind of a conflation there on our end mm-hmm. you know lots of people do that but there is probably well i think it comes through in some writings and stuff if i recall correctly that so so these guys don't do it because I think that they are, they try to be, at least in their writings, international, you know, so they try to not be like you fucking Russians or whatever, you know, right? <laughs> they try not to shit talk. But they will, well, but they will sometimes like accuse each other of like being chauvinist mm. and saying like you are, you know, you're saying that Russia's the best, you know, like an asshole sort of thing. Um, or you're you're all being nationalist about Yugoslavia, and they can they'll criticize people on that, but they won't kind of do the reverse and say like we're cooler than you because we're South Slavs, you know? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So like, there's tension, but maybe more in a nationalist way versus like an ethnic way. Yeah, and I think they, at least in their correspondence with each other, they don't want to be the one doing nationalism. They they're kind of like accusing each other of it. Okay, yeah, gotcha. Because they're communists, so it's like kind of bad, you know? Yeah, for sure. I'm not into that. <laughs> All 
All right. So like we said, Yugoslavia is trying to expand and the Soviet Union kind of views this as threatening or at the most charitable reading of it, they kind of think it's ill-advised. I think they more see it as a threat. I think so too. I think they're like, hey, we were going to do that. Yeah, but their but their outward expression is, no, 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 you guys are being unwise. Uh, so here are some of the things that kind of throw them off. Um, one is in Albania. So in 1946, this is just south of Yugoslavia. Um, and it was also a socialist country, the People's Republic of Albania. They sign a friendship treaty with Yugoslavia. That sounds cute. It's It's got a cute name. The Treaty of Friendship, <laughs> Cooperation, and Mutual Aid. I love that. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of an economic integration thing. And they, you know, they love it at first. But Albania soon starts to feel that it's like trending toward making them dependent on Yugoslavia. Like they're feeling like, you know, these guys are sending advisors in here and they're trying to get our industry to like just kind of feed theirs and, you know, making it to where we're not colonized, but, you know, like little brother. So they start kind of arguing and the Soviets kind of egg that on and, and take the Albanian side. This is more of a theory question. We've talked a lot about federated states and like how that can be really good in like in terms of like an ANCOM or even a communist vision of the future of, you know, we can grow this and so we'll trade with you who can grow this. What do you do when one region does have more resources than the other? Like, I wonder, like, do you think Albania, like, are they smaller? Did they have fewer resources or were they like fucked up more from the war? Like, and we don't have to get in the specifics of that, but I'm saying like, in theory, what do you do in one region just like is better off than another? Like, how do you make those smaller federated places not feel like, like they're being taken advantage of? That's a good question. In this case, Albania was smaller. I don't know its natural resource or destruction. Got new wheat or sheep. <laughs> what about bricks? Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> With a federation structure. Especially the more anarchist you get, there's fewer and fewer things you can do to compel anyone to do anything, right? So, you know, your more scarce places are more or less going to remain that way, more or less going to remain a little more Spartan, right? But lots of places aren't, as we talked about in open veins, lots of places aren't poor because they're resource scarce. That's true. That's true. So if we do manage to make this a global thing and you know finally prove the capitalists right by having communists take over the world <laughs> then we'll be able to equalize all that out because nobody's going to be trying to fuck someone over pillage and plunder someplace yeah 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 so there's probably very like you know maybe a desert or something and even then like deserts have resources too like it's not like it's a total wasteland yeah, you might have some variance in it in terms of like, yeah, you know, we don't get a lot of limes here or whatever, you know, but may maybe it's maybe it's less of a pressure because of that. Yeah, I like that idea. Uh, I just found out the anthem for the I saw for hey Yugoslavia Slavs. is Hey Slavs. I want to hear it. So let's that's, well, that's so what good. we're going to do during our break is listen to that. OK. All right. So drama with Albania. Uh, then in 1946. Uh, the People's Republic of Bulgaria, also a socialist state, uh, sign an agreement with Yugoslavia called the Bled Agreement. Ooh, that one's kind of darker. Yeah, it's their it's their emo phase. <laughs> they went from friendship to Bled. <laughs> it was just the city it was in. Um, oh, okay, gotcha, gotcha. And they agreed to unite in a in the future in kind of a in kind of a federated state. So Bulgaria is a neighboring country to their east. 
it was like they they kind of didn't have the same vision of it like Yugoslavia versus Bulgaria, but they were like trying to work that out in the future. And they were like, this will be good. We'll like team up, you know, and be stronger for it. Once again, what a weird coincidence that so many socialist states are popping off right now. Weird. It's almost like it's cool. (laughs) Right. Well, the thing here with the bled agreement was that they didn't like talk to the Soviets at all before doing this. And so (laughs) the Soviets felt like not invited to a party, you know, that's what it comes across you know they they say they come out and say like you should have consulted and we could have advised you that this is not a good idea but i think it's really that they just did get told anyway uh the soviet foreign minister of yashislav molotov goes out and denounces this whole thing and and everything and says what the fuck were you guys thinking you know (laughs) uh and then in 1948 things really boil over Uh oh with the greek civil war oh okay i I think this is referenced in my big fat Greek wedding, but I think besides that, I don't know anything about it. <laughs> well, to be honest, it's very complicated and I only know a limited amount related to this. So it had been raging since World War II. Uh, the basic story is that the Greek National Liberation Front, led by the Communist Party of Greece, uh, had successfully led the resistance against the Axis occupation. And they basically could have taken power in 1944, or could have tried to, because they occupied most of the country, but they didn't. Stalin, the Soviet Union, advised them not to do so oh. uh, because they didn't want to risk upsetting the Allies while they were fighting World War II, 1944. So instead, uh, Britain sends an expeditionary force. Uh, this is an invasion army, um, mm. ostensibly to aid in disarming the defeated Axis troops there. Mm-hmm. But instead, they crush the communists and establish a right the right wing monarchy they restore it hey do, is this when they steal all the fucking art uh i don't know but <laughs> i wouldn't put it past them i guess is what i'm saying yeah. when i hear the words britain invades greece i'm like well <laughs> not even surprised <laughs> yeah i wouldn't be either that, so that's in 1944 they just boom go in there kick the door in Jesus. we're back you know great and by 1946 the greek communists had had been able to rebuild and then they start, we kind of resume the Greek Civil War, like part two, you know, or part three. It's in multiple parts. Yugoslavia and Albania, they support the communists there in Greece. But the Soviet Union continues to stay out of it. Ugh. Uh, there's different camps. I guess the more charitable reading is that they saw the situation as hopeless, uh, that they thought the Greek Communist Party there were being like uh, like adventurist, trying to do a war before its time. They didn't have the numbers or whatever. Yeah. And then the less charitable reading is that all along, uh, Stalin's been trying to tell them not to do it and been against it because during World War II, he made an agreement with Churchill to let Greece be their sphere of influence. Hey, that sucks. Um, yeah. So... Ugh. There is a document um, that Churchill has that they had a secret agreement, but people are unsure if he was just saying that to like get cred later and say like, oh, I kind of saw this whole thing coming, you know, (laughs) stick with me. I know everything. Yeah, right. Or if it was really for sure a secret agreement or not Um, for their part, the Soviet Union, when this comes out, they deny that that was a thing, but they would. So, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, yeah. Why would they admit to that? Yeah, so it's it's messy. I don't know, but either way, it ends up... Not a fan. Yeah, it ends up causing problems. 
Naturally, these problems were aired out in the group chat. <laughs> oh, no. Shit got messy. They got very messy. Oh. Stalin sends a letter to Tito and the Yugoslav leadership in general, like the Communist Party leadership there. And he denounces a bunch of them, including Tito. He says, and this is uh, not just Stalin, I should say, but like the Politburo. They kind of group put this together. So you just imagine they're all in the room, you know, kind of <laughs> arguing about the different parts. Should we really call him an asshole? You know, like. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, they, they put him on blast. They try to cancel him. Yeah, yeah they call them dubious Marxists. Ooh, okay. That's a good band name. Yeah. <laughs> um, and they talk shit about various policies, just like party, how you're running your party sort what of thing. What the fuck? Uh, and they also, I, this is the part I love, uh, they, they start complaining about alleged prior shit talking that they've heard about. <laughs> they get really petty. Oh, my God. It is, yeah, it is some messy drama. So I, here's a literal quote. I just love that these exist. Um <laughs> <laughs> Quote, we know that there are anti-Soviet rumors circulating among the leading comrades in Yugoslavia. For instance, that the CPSU, the Communist Party of the Soviet Union, mm -hmm. is degenerate. <gasps> or great power chauvinism is rampant in the USSR. Or oh the USSR God. is trying to dominate Yugoslavia economically. And so on and so on. They're just like, just, tell, <laughs> you know, saying, we heard what you said about us. You better stop. Wow. That is amazing. <laughs> I love that people were idiots even back then. Yes, it's great. <laughs> All right, let's take a break. Take a break and listen to Hey Slavs. Yeah. I just listened to that anthem. <laughs> it was pretty it's good. Really, I mean, it was, it was like a very classic kind of almost like a march, but like the lyrics were super metal. It was an old, like it was pre, you know, it wasn't like the communists came up with it basically. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I'm a fan. That's our review. <laughs> okay. As Americans, Americans cannot criticize like anyone's national anthem. No, ours is super ridiculous. Ours was an old British bar song. Like, pretty bad. Yeah, we stole it, and also it was written during, like, the War of 1812, which everyone agrees is the most boring war. And also we basically <laughs> lost it. Like, we're, we <laughs> celebrate that we, we survived it. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm into that so the, the Slavic song. Cool lyrics. Very metal. 
In vain the fire of thunder. Like, this sounds like a fucking Lord of the Rings book. That's pretty good, yeah. In vain threatens the abyss of hell. Yeah, that's fucking metal. Yeah, that's pretty cool. May he be damned, the traitor of his homeland. <laughs> that's strong words. Let's <laughs> just go for it. Um, <laughs> all right. Where were we? Pettiness. Petty okay. fighting. So this letter comes in. Stop talking shit about us. They exchange letters. It's a back and forth. Yugoslavia denies it. They say, yo, I thought we were friends. Don't insult us, bro. Uh, and then Stalin replies with, oh, yeah, well, maybe we should take this up with the common form. Let's <laughs> let's let's let them decide who's right. You know, all of us. Mm, OK. So the common form is like the successor to the common turn. OK. Yeah. Uh, I hadn't heard that word before. It's just a uh, it's just kind of a different version of it. Uh, it's called the Information Bureau of the Communist and Workers Party. Mm, that sounds way nerdier. It's like an alliance of the parties or whatever, basically. It's not its own political party. Okay. Whereas the Comintern is a political party? Well, the Comintern was the third international, but it's like it's... They're, they're more or less the same thing, I want to say. Okay. Like rebrand. Yeah, it's more of a rebrand. I'm sure a real communist can tell you more of the <laughs> details of how they're different. This fucking shithead but, who yeah. runs a communist podcast. Not a real communist. <laughs> no real communist. Yeah. <laughs> Common form. Yes. That's the, so they go to daddy. Stalin was like, let's do that. Right. Let's, yeah. let's, let's bring it. Yeah. Let's, let's tell dad. And Tito <laughs> says, you know, nah, man, you know, you're just going to try to rig that. You're going to get all the parties against me. You're the real dad. Like, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we're not doing that. It's no fair. Yeah, I wouldn't think that's fair either, honestly. Uh, probably not. Yeah, I mean, I imagine that. And then, you know, but then again, you got to have some sort of organization uh, of these international political parties to hold, you know, to decide things between each other. I mean, I assume maybe this is a bad assumption. I assume everybody in the common form slash common turn has an equal vote. Is that true? I don't know how they ran, ran things, to be honest. <laughs> it's okay. I mean, if it, if that were the case, I, even so, like, just the Soviet Union had so much power within that that, like, it just, you know, I feel like they could just tell other countries what to do. Or maybe not. Yeah. So, okay, here's something. Not intended to be a replacement uh, or successor to the common turn, the international organization. It was considered a type of successor. It was not a world communist party, didn't have subordinates or power, limiting itself mm. to just kind of like publishing stuff and... and coordinating like organizing things between separate communist parties it's like a club but not like they could really do anything to you yeah yeah okay that makes sense so i guess it's different in that way i i don't know i would agree in function that most parties including yugoslavia to some degree like looked to admired the Soviet Union, like, wanted to be on good terms. And you can tell that in these letters. I'm kind of phrasing the worst of it, but, like, <laughs> they do try to be cordial, like, yo, I'm not trying to fight you, but, you know, sort of thing. And and you can tell that, like, they would really rather not be having this argument, but neither side is really also willing to back down. So the, the Soviet Union t sends them an invite to the common form, and kind of a threat along with it saying, you know, basically don't show up and you're admitting you're guilty. <gasps> wow. That's super petty too. Yeah. The communist party of Yugoslavia said, yeah, we're, you know, we're going to be busy watching paint dry. Like we're not going. <laughs> Fuck right off. Yeah. Okay. So to be clear, I just want to make sure I'm getting the narrative right. 
It sounds like the USSR was uncomfortable with with how kind of how much power Yugoslavia had and the alliances they were making. And so but they kind of started the shit with that first letter, though. Uh, yeah. They, Unless it, all of their rumors they heard were true. <laughs> Which, again, that's hilarious. It seems like they do get information from some party members in Yugoslavia who are like kind of, I mean, kind of ratting on them, you know? Uh, and that'll turn into a problem later. Uh-oh, I bet. But this is, uh, yeah, they're, they're, they're kind of the ones stirring up the shit. And it wasn't, it, I don't think it was just about the foreign policy. I think there was also like... We're uncomfortable, like, we think you're running the party wrong and you're making mistakes and this sort of thing. But I th- I do think that it's more of a rivalry. It's more, more of, of a like, power struggle. Yeah, that's how it comes across. Now, there could have been, like, genuine, and what Stalin tries to do in this and what the Soviets try to do in their portrayal is say, we have ideological differences. They try to make it kind of like theory-based somewhat in, in parts of it. But I don't... Mm, I'm doubtful as to whether that was the real motivating factor. Like, who gets in a super big fight about that at this stage? Yeah, why wouldn't you just be like, end of sentence, we're done. Like, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> that's not a reason to start like, shit. That's that's a fight to pick when you're still doing your book club circles. Stage, yeah, that, you know? that's when you, you're just chilling by the fireplace with a glass of brandy. You can have those arguments then. You don't need to start fucking, you know, international disagreements over it. Like... And I don't know, like, I was, I, it just comes across as very patronizing, too. And they're like, oh, like, you know, I don't think you're ready to make alliances with people yet. And it's like, man, whatever. Like, <laughs> yeah. And that's I don't know. Yugoslavia was seeing it that way, for sure. With that, at the Common Forum meeting on June 28th, 1948, uh, the Common Forum boots the Communist Party of Yugoslavia right out of the club. <gasps> okay. Shit. They accuse them of anti Sovietism ideological errors, a lack mm. of democracy in the party, an inability to accept criticism, a very funny thing <laughs> to accuse someone of. I love that. I'm going to kick you out of my club because you don't let me talk shit about you. <laughs> um, wow. Opposing other parties in the organization, trying to split uh, the unified socialist front and betraying the international solidarity of the working people and being nationalist. Whoa. Whoa, those are some heavy accusations. Yep. I don't like that. They say, fuck these guys. Look at what all they did. They're not really communists. Get Mm. out. Okay. I'm not getting strikes for the Soviet Union, but that would be a strike. Just saying. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) They also said to kind of soften the blow slash try to stir up shit. They said, um... Now, there are probably some pretty good loyal party members in Yugoslavia <gasps> uh-huh. who could totally prove that loyalty by overthrowing Tito and oh the, these terrible leaders. God, that's so fucked up. Yeah, it's not good. Ugh. okay. I mean, for context, this is Stalin, and I'm generally not a fan of him. All right, so this big mess is called the Tito-Stalin split. Yeah, okay, another split. It's about time. <laughs> right. Things were going too well. So we had to have a split. Um, it has far reaching implications for Yugoslavia and the global communist project overall. Yeah. Yeah. That's a rough one. Yeah. For one, the Greek civil war we were talking about. Oh, yeah. Uh, the Greek Communist Party decides to stay loyal to the Soviet Union in the split. Yugoslavia gets pissed about that and closes their borders to them. They had been helping them all along. 
even though the Soviet Union was staying out, you know? And so they're like, fuck you guys. You know, you didn't have our backs there. Oh, that sucks, because they were probably, like, taking in refugees and shit, too. Yeah, this leads the Greek Communist Party uh, to start doing, like, purges against their guys. Like, they're trying Uh to get rid of Titoites, they're calling (gasps) them, you know. Now is not the time. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't the time. The rebellion falls apart pretty quickly. Yeah, no fucking shit. So they lose their best friend and then turn on themselves. In Yugoslavia, uh, the party refused to surrender to the common form. You know, they were like, fuck it, we got kicked out, whatever. There was clearly some support for Stalin in the party, though. Some people were like, huh, what if we did get rid of Tito? You know, like some people kind of said, oh, yeah, they got a good point. Like we are doing (laughs) some fucked up stuff. And then this leads to something called the Inform Bureau period, uh, which is where the party tries to hunt down suspected uh, sympathizers with Stalin and the common form. Mm, I don't think I'm going to like this. Yeah, it gets uh, to be sort of a mini purge of their own. Mm-hmm. Not so many. Thousands of people do get registered. It's something like 50,000 uh, people get registered within a couple years as... as um, common formists that's like nine that's like 20 percent, 19.5 percent of of party members so when you say registered do you mean like registered some people yeah so there it's again a spectrum here so some people get jailed some people get sent to forced labor camps some people get just executed or sentenced to death again it's you know a mixture some people just get kicked out of the party Most of them who were sentenced were sentenced without a trial. And they even, you know, to kind of save space or they didn't have enough prisons or something, uh, they reused some of the old concentration (sighs) camps that they had from back in the fascist times. Uh, So in, you know, in the email talking about that, you know, cruel communist dictator, this, these, this is some of the cruelties that were visited upon people who yeah. were perceived as enemies, but... But they weren't. <laughs> they are just communists who disagreed. Yeah, fuck that. Similar to Stalin's Great Purges here, this is this is different, and I think on a really smaller scale, but not good. Um, they also build some prisons. Uh, the most infamous one is like on this barren island off the coast called Goli Otok, which sounds like something from Mordor, so... I was going to say it sounds uh, Klingon, but (laughs) we're both nerds just in different ways. (laughs) Um, Guys, we're not even to part two. This is my third strike. He's striking out. See? Yeah. (laughs) Don't defend this one. Come on. (laughs) No, I'm not going to defend this one. I just. The secret police one. What was the first one? I guess it wasn't that bad. I can't remember. (laughs) The first one was. Partisan. So they what they execute some people after uh, they have the revolutionary terror. Oh, I don't care about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fine with some revolutionary terror. Yeah, whatever. Oh no, hey no, uh, the elections. <gasps> the elections. You didn't like the elections because I didn't liberal. like that. All right, I'm gonna now write these down so we don't have the same conversation in like 30 minutes. Okay, <laughs> strikes yeah. for Tito, and this will be in handy for next week too. My only argument. Is that people oftentimes do really like good things, but also shitty things. And Oh, yeah, yeah. It's like cool to like their cool thing. I don't know. The whole striking out thing feels like canceling <laughs> to me, which is kind of silly. No, I'm not actually trying to cancel this guy. I just, I think it's a fun game. 
<laughs> yeah, that's fair. I'm just, well, so it's not like three strikes and you're out. It's just like, let's see who gets the most strikes. Like. Uh, yeah, because I, yeah, I don't think he's out. I think it's just like, hey, these are the things I would not have been a fan of. Yeah. I wrote election, secret police, purge time. Purge time. Okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. So they're facing, you know, this, and they're also facing genuine, like, attempts to bring them down. There's a. I mean, yeah, Stalin was like, wink, wink, please get rid of this guy. Yeah, there's an attempted coup um, that fails. There's some insurrections that fail. Uh, the Soviet Union, <laughs> they really go all out, man. They, so they set up a, an obnoxiously named group. All oh, right? God. What is it? How many names do you think? That, this is a long name. How, How many, many words? Yeah. Six. Way more. The oh, my God. <laughs> League of Yugoslav Patriots for the Liberation of the Peoples of Yugoslavia from the yoke oh. of the Tito Rankovic clique and imperialist slavery. It kept going. It kept going. <laughs> yeah. It's great. That's a paragraph. I was going to say that's a sentence, and then it turned into a paragraph. <laughs> Uh, so they were like an exile opposition group with, again, okay. a very that obnoxious That sucks. Name. Obnoxious purpose and name. Well, see, what, okay, so what does it make you make you think of? Because they have that. They start Radio Free Yugoslavia to broadcast oh into uh, anti-Tito propaganda from Hungary. This sounds like some United States bullshit. It sounds like what we're doing to Cuba, basically, right? <laughs> like, uh-huh. Uh, trying to overthrow them and trying... I mean, at, at least they were doing so from a different socialist you know i mean like at least they weren't trying to do that but i mean intentions whatever you can pave that road to hell like <sighs> i it yeah especially the idea of like oh this is an, an um a localized rebellion you know like that kind of branding of like oh this is really coming from the inside we're just publicizing it you know what i mean yeah yeah oh that's nasty don't like it on the other hand <laughs> They think that they're right. I mean, they think that Tito is really fucking things up. Is he fucking things up? Do we have any evidence he was fucking things up? It does depend who you... Well, not at that time, really. I mean, their criticisms were, like we just explained, you know, nationalism or whatever. And, and I don't think he's being nationalist. I think the opposite. I think he's he's making alliances with other places. He wants federated places. Like, that's not nationalist at all. I think that they were more suspicious, though. They they thought that this they saw the worst in that. And, and you know, maybe he would have kind of turned that to maybe. his advantage and done something. But I don't know. It, this is pretty bad to do to, to a fellow socialist state. Like, at least, I mean, you know, try to keep an open mind. Like Best intentions. Yeah, they're socialists. Like, they should, they're broadly speaking on your side. Yeah, that... I just don't, I don't see what they're so fucking scared of. Like, if anything, I mean, not to be like part of the petty letters here, which that's what I'm calling those letters now, the petty letters. <laughs> it sounds like they're the ones being common nationalists because they're the ones who want all the power and to control everything. And they clearly do because they're able to kick them out of the common firm. So like, fuck off. Like, <sighs> yeah. So you're very much falling on the Yugoslavia side. I'm on here, the I Yugoslavia think. side. All right. The kind of the last concluding thing here that kind of leaves the cliffhanger for next time Oh, okay uh, the most important result of the tito stalin split in my opinion i guess one historian's opinion uh, is how they deal with getting blockaded by their former communist allies oh uh, okay. the eastern Bloc and so the soviet union and everybody so-called eastern Bloc, they all cut off yugoslavia 
And this is what we'll get into our next episode, because it really changes their trajectory a whole lot in terms of domestic reforms of their economy and stuff, and in terms of the international scene, too. Yeah, because you can't do a lot of, like, economic cool guy plans when you're being blockaded. Or can you? Oh, next time on Yugoslavia. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm picturing, like, you know, kind of the more... Because I feel like next time ones, like the teasers used to give away everything. Be like, so-and-so gets married. And now it's like like a Mad Men one, especially. It's like somebody looks over their shoulder dramatically. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Anyway. What are your thoughts? I know we got into some of them already. (laughs) Yeah, I shared my thoughts freely. I'm not a fan of the split. I'm not a fan of like most splits. um, Unless it's like a cool dance move. It's just frustrating. I, it's hard for me to see this as anything other than the, than a power grab. And you could make the argument it's a power grab from either side. So I'm just like, guys, what are we doing here? Like, again, I wish we wish we had a safe word of just like, hey, I'm still on your side. It's cool. Yeah. We're not capitalists. I don't see a point in, in starting this shit over like, we have different like ideological things. Like, but don't start a fight over theory to this level. Like, that just seems crazy town. Capitalists don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, They know how to just keep, you know, keep that shit over there, put it in the newspapers, you know, but like they don't have that problem. I mean, they do get into their imperialist bullshit and massacre the working class in that way. (laughs) They do bad things from it. But that is a good point about, like, the media that kind of serves as, like, an outlet for those kinds of frustrations. And, like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, you can be mad at each other and, like, I don't know, kind of give each other some shit. But, like, it just escalated so quickly over what I didn't feel were very true accusations or, if they were true, not big enough of a deal to, like, break up the party in this way. Yeah. And I see... In the interior of their mind, like you know, like I, I can tell why they would, why someone could do, you know, these things and come to like the worst conclusions. I get it, but I think we're both saying the same thing. With like, I wish people could step back. You know, we could go back in history, tell them, hey, yo, step back, like, don't fly off the handle. You know, like, like you said, we are on the same side, man. You're on the same side. Like, one of you likes a different book more than the other one likes a different. Like, chill. <laughs> You know, like, why do we have to do this? Yeah. And again, you know, I do think it was really more that rivalry, but all the same guys, like we, you know, collectively, we're going to be better off if somebody takes this one for now and somebody else takes the next one. Like, you know, like I was saying, take over the country, but like, you know, come to a deal here that works for somebody, works for the people there. What do they want? And then we'll, you know, make sure. Everyone's taken care of going for like, you know, we don't we're face it. We're besieged by the rest of the the the, the imperialist countries. Like, come on. <laughs> like, instead of bitching about their alliances, like, why don't you join their alliances? Like, that sounds good. You'd probably be into that. I don't get it. Then again, the Soviets say, why don't you join us, bro? We're bigger. <sighs> so what? <laughs> <laughs> you don't understand our problems the way we do. Like, I just uh, I'm very pro federated. Like, that's the way to do it, IMO. There you go. Okay, so we're doing this next week. So if you're at your keyboard right now, like, um, excuse me, you didn't cover XYZ. Maybe we'll get to it next week. 
Yeah, next <laughs> week we'll pick up where we left off and talk about how Yugoslavia charts a you know non-Soviet supported way forward, and take that all the way to its probably related disintegration um, in 1992. I mean, I knew the spoiler ending of yeah, they they're not around anymore. Yeah, <laughs> but I I am worried. <laughs> At this point in the story, I can't see it going well from here. We'll see. I mean, it it's like a, it's an interesting tale. It's a rise and a fall. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Great. All right. Bye. Bye. Hey there, comrades. Just jumping in to remind you of all of our social media. We are on Twitter at Teach Communism, Instagram at Teach Me Communism. You can shoot us an email. That's teachmecommunism at gmail.com. Any of those places are good to send us an episode suggestion or a question, anything you think would be useful feedback for us or just your admiration. If you want to admire us in a public manner, and you should, you can go to Apple Podcasts to give us a review. It is the best way to help people find the show. Love when people write and review us. Please do both. We are also on YouTube if that's how you prefer to listen to podcasts, or if you know someone that's the only way they'll listen to podcasts, send them to our page. And we have a Patreon. For five bucks a month, you get access to our notes for each week's episode, including the backlog of notes, which is a very handy resource for up-and-coming commies. And at the end of the year, all of the funds from Patreon will be given to local mutual aid in the DFW area. So, ain't gonna line our pockets. Finally, we have merch. Check us out at Tee Public. You can find shirts and I believe also stickers and magnets and all kinds of fun stuff with catchphrases from the show or episode art, stuff like that. The link to that store is in the show notes, so check that out. Okay, that's all the internet. Join us next time for another episode of Teach Me Communism, where the class struggle is always in session. Bye, y'all.